Hello everybody, this is Sasha. Welcome to my podcast and I am so happy, but really, really happy to have with me somebody that uh, is not only a colleague, but somebody that I really admire and love and, and that fills the room with her with her sparkle and her joy every time she gets in. Let's welcome Julia Berryman, who is uh, a sex creativity, uh, it's an artist in, and also a sex creativity and um, Oh my God, I'm empowerment coach. <laughs> I know the long yeah. name. <laughs> uh, thank you for your warm welcome, Sasha. I love being in your presence. You're just such a beautiful, beautiful soul. And it's, it's an honor to be just chatting on this podcast with you. Thank you so much. And I love the topic of this conversation because we're going to be talking about orgasm and creativity and how they go some, somehow hand in hand and there is something that really i find particularly relevant uh, according to the times that we are living which is how in the darkest times we all have been turning towards art to keep us going when the lockdown began it was artists that kept us going. It was this, uh, they started sharing their art, their workshops, their paintings during the civil rights movement that is going on right now. There is this sense of art overwhelming in the streets. So there is, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in the USA, but I can see that through social media and the posts. And I see that in Mexico too, because we're going through, through a civil rights movement, civil, rights movement when it comes to feminism mm -hmm. and when before the lockdown uh, and what you see is art so it's fascinating why do you think that people turn to art every time that something important happens in the world yeah oh i love i love how you've opened this and this question i got chills when i was listening i think that i mean art i think is a pure expression of just like human desire to express. It's like, I think creativity is just an, this inherent piece of all of us. And so when we give ourselves permission to create fully, to create art, whether it's music or paintings or, or, you know, poetry, right. Or writing, whatever that is. Like, I really think it's just like the direct, translation of the, what the soul is trying to express you know and 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 i think that it speaks to people in a way that often goes beyond the mind we live in you know a world that sort of values sort of like intellectualism and sort of winning and productivity and all of these things that feel sort of rigid and like dominatory and like art is I feel like artists have sometimes been given a bad rep. Like I know I've struggled with that in terms of like seen as sort of floaty or like not organized and all this, but I see artists as visionaries. It's like people who see the possibility who are, you know, especially like in like protesting against injustice, right? The stories that we tell through art, through the visual mediums and beyond. Um, it's such a powerful communication tool. It's such a powerful healing tool. 
yeah, you do, you just asked about this and I'm not super eloquent about it, but I just like feel it like in my bones that it touches all, all these different areas. And I think that's why people feel called to, to communicate and process through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I love what you say. It's something that you cannot really express with words, but something that just comes and speaks directly to the soul and that you feel in your body. I, I have found that, I just, I just feel my <laughs> I, I have found that um, I, I write. I don't know if I ever told you, but I write, I write stories. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, I, I write poetry, uh, songs, uh, well, just the lyrics, or mainly stories. So um, what I found was that every time I was heartbroken, like really heartbroken, it was a poem or it was a story what kept me going. The only thing that would move me past that sense of, of being heartbroken. Because it's in a story that you, uh, for, for me, uh, who, because that is my language, uh, that, that I get to grab everything that, me, that is dwelling inside of me. And it makes sense if we think that the very first languages of, of humanity were symbols and stories. So art is pretty much speaking about symbols and then the spoken arts are about stories. Oh, yeah, I love when you say that because when I was hearing you talk, it made me think about how creating art, it's like transmutation or digestion. It's like taking in the world around us or maybe even taking in sort of like d divine messages or whatever you connect to and then sort of moving that through our bodies, our stories, our experiences and kind of getting a deeper understanding of that and then coming out the other side with some sort of expression. And the reason that moves people is because they're seeing this product of you having like worked through something really profound. And so I think that you're just like hitting on something where I'm like, yes, that's, that's part of it. Yeah. And also you said something so important. Artists are visionaries. They are the ones that actually change the world. Uh, if you think of Leonardo da Vinci, of, um, they were people that, that really, Isaac Asimov, they were people that really created a world in their minds that eventually happened in the material world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like saying this as an example and I say it pretty often, but it's like we're communicating via these computer screens, like with the internet and we're living in this house and these walls, like these are all products of someone's imagination, right? And their vision and following through, like everything we touch aside from sort of like nature, right? Is a product of human creativity, which is incredible. Exactly. Yeah. And it's part of what you do, right? You do so, some beautiful, intuitive uh, painting and coaching around it. Uh, would you tell us a little bit more about those, those beautiful things that you do? Because I have seen the, the paintings that you do, and I think they are mesmerizing. And then you coach around it. How, how does the process, ha process happen? Yeah. Yeah, it's actually, it's such a beautiful process that goes hand in hand. So... So when I work with people, they come together, we want to coach around something. And I find that as we're going through the layers, right, negotiating the past, sort of healing that, moving forward to the future, like a lot of transformation happens. And one of my particular gifts is that I've always noticed when I'm with people, like I, I, I'll get these like visions or I'm very, my, 
my inner eyes like very vivid. Um, and so in the coaching process, I'll often get these images of what people are working through or parts of themselves that they're reclaiming or what they're moving toward. And so at the end of the coaching journey, I'll often sort of condense a lot of the moments on the way during that transformative process and distill it in, in a painting. Um, and that painting can hold different intentions. So it might be to embrace all parts of themselves, or it might be to heal this old, you know, childhood wound, or maybe it is to serve as like a vision board for what they're moving towards so that they can remember what we worked on together. So I think that the coaching is powerful and that, you know, you and I work on this sort of embodied level, right? You feel it emotionally and physically and somatically and spiritually, all of that. And when you have an additional art piece that holds that transformation in it so that you can look at it. And like you talked about like the cavemen and like symbols, right? It's like you're speaking to one of the most primitive communication mechanisms, right? And you're looking at it and like every day you get to see this painting and be like, oh, that's me. Or like, this is who I am. Or this is, this is my purpose. Um, and so that's really why I love bringing it in into this process for people. I love it. I love it so much. And it makes a lot of sense to me because um, it makes me think of this story of Plato that, that he says that we, we are living in the world um, of shadows and above it, it's the world of ideas. And it's like we, we get these ideas, these archetypes from, from this world and we just see these little shadows playing from this from these bigger archetypes that are that are playing a huge play, a cosmic play. So it, that, that's what it feels like to me, that, that you are capable of, with art, you're capable of seeing, taking a, a, a look at the, at the bigger uh, and more complete um, archetype that it's out there. Mm. Oh, I love that you bring that. Yeah, and I think the word archetype is really powerful. I think that that often shows up in how I work with people um, because, yeah, connecting to that, yeah, the essence of the archetype. So you can look at that and be like, that carries what I'm working toward or the part I'm healing or that is wounded. Yeah, so powerful. Mm, I love it. And then how it connects with sexuality because you are both an artist and, and creativity coach, but you work also with sexuality and embodiment. How do you see them uh, being intertwined? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they all have to do with expression and I love expression. I think that the more people are fully expressed and, you know, connecting to that essence within and just letting that shine, this, the better that is for the world. Like I truly believe that. And, and sexuality, I think is a very core form of expression and creativity is a, a core form of expression. Um, and you know, like the way we come into the world, like as humans, we're created by other humans, right? We're created by other humans. Um, and so that's like the ultimate creative journey because of us, like we're these physical, tangible beings. Um, and it's like, uh, I think both creativity and sexuality play in the realm of like potential right or like energetic potential because like you do this with your work in terms of like you cultivate your sexual energy and you're able to like yes use it for like sexy things and 
for so much more. So I see them both as like centers for power and fuel and just beauty, I guess. Absolutely. I found that when I was writing a story, um, at some point I did some scripts. Um, I doctored them. I didn't start them from scratch. But I was so aroused when I started writing. It was like I would start normal, like just writing. It was my work. And then as I was writing, I would just feel the arousal. Like, oh my, and that, that showed in the, in the story. Like at some point you start describing the, the character flirting or, you know, whatever. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's why there is so much sexuality in the stories that people tell in the movies. And it's not only because sex sells that it does, but it's because there is this sense of arousal when you're creating, it turns you on. There, there is a, a deep connection of both, of both activities. And it immediately, uh, maybe because I am particularly aware of how it works in my body, but I, I could feel the connection. Like, oh my God, I'm turned on just by writing a story about something that is not even remotely sexual yeah oh my god I love that you're saying that arousal it's such a good word and like as you were saying that I was thinking of aliveness right because sexual expression is it's our aliveness right uninhibited sexual expression is our aliveness and creative expression is that as well and you know when you talked about feeling turned on you know it's there's that traditional um symbol of creativity it's like the light turns on it's like a light bulb that's like bing right so it's like it turns on right so there's there's this all these really awesome connections exactly exactly and that's what happens in the body it gives you a sense of aliveness like oh my god i just feel alive there is uh there is the same basic energy and, and I think that at the end all energy is the same it's just that it changes right like according to where to where you are using it at and from but after all it is just energy but you can sense how similar the flavor of creativity and sexual uh, energy are they are just like they could go hand in hand like you can you you can um, and I love that you you spoke about it at first, like have an orgasm being connected to your creativity, like how this orgasmic energy just makes you uh, tap into the center of creativity. Now, how can people use that for their own lives? Yeah, yeah. Ah. So I think... I think it's the first thing that comes up is like follow your joy, right? And follow your pleasure and, mm -hmm. and really discover like what makes you feel alive, right? Is it writing those stories? Is it singing loudly in the shower? <laughs> right? Is it dance parties in your room in lingerie? <laughs> right. And so um, when it comes to, I was like really thinking about um, like, you and I've kind of like learned how there's, you know, one of our teachers, Layla Martin, talks about a different framework for orgasm, where it's not just like, boom, a climax, which is sort of a very typical masculine sort of, or male-bodied approach to orgasm, um, but it's about pleasure and just bringing on more and more pleasure, letting yourself flow into expanding that pleasure, getting in that expansive state, and then surrendering, right? And so sometimes climax, the orgasm, multiple orgasmic states, that's 
that expansive state. So I think about that in terms of creativity because it's like we're talking about the parallels with sex, sex and creativity. It's like when I'm in a painting, like there's sometimes drama that happens before, but when I'm really in the creative zone and you might find this when you're writing, it's, it's like the flow state, right? It's like you're, you're in the pleasure of doing that creative task. You're enjoying it. Maybe it's kind of intense and you sort of like forget everything else and you're just in it and you just surrender to that process, which is kind of like orgasm yes. in many ways. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and you mentioned something so important, the redefinition of orgasm. Like we take it for granted because we we learned that. Like for us, when we speak about orgasm, we're speaking about this expansive energy. But people in general, when they speak about orgasm, they, they think of this male body, uh, ex very limited experience that just go like a few seconds of ah, 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 and that's it, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, when you think of of, of that brief sec seconds boom, it doesn't it doesn't feel so creative. But when you think of this energy moving through your body, uh, and this flow, and this surrender, and this state of of flow, it seems more like orgasmic energy, and it makes more sense that we are connecting one to the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and the one thing I will add is like, when you said that about, right, it's like boom, 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 small little climax. Like I think about like the other parallel is right. It's sort of like society has a, like a limited notion of orgasm. So people don't know the potential that they can have in the sexual realm in terms of just feeling fully alive, having more expansive sexual experiences. And I think the same thing happens for creativity where creativity is often put in like a linear track like it's supposed to be used for this productive practical thing and in some ways I think that's the like the limited orgasm approach where it's like you can just have like a little baby climax like do this one little creative thing to make this one thing versus being immersed like in the creative state letting that flow through you expressing that and just seeing that and and, and also seeing that creativity doesn't have to be like only the artists are creative or only the musicians are creative. Like seeing that it's something that can run through your entire life and like how you live your life like that, that is orgasmic living. That is creative living. Thank you for saying that because people that are not inclined to art might go like, yeah, but how does this apply to me? Well, in, in the sense that we use creativity for orgasmic living. It's a sense of living orgasmically, expanding constantly into everything we do in life yeah yeah or like people who like are getting their sexy on like being creative with your partner and finding new ways they like to be touched or new ways you like to be touched or what feels good and what feels good tomorrow and it's different from day to day you know so it's like it, they, they really weave together very well <laughs> and also desiring Dreaming, that, that's something that I have found that women, particularly women, uh, but also men, of course, but mainly women start giving up on their desire, their dreams. They, there is a, a limit for them. Uh, it's like, okay, I already did this. I already have kids. I already sent them to college. I already have my home, my car. And then people just stop dreaming. Uh, or they dream somebody else's dreams. Like, yeah, life is about having, you know, 
playing golf every weekend. Do, do you like golf? No, but that's what, what the rich person out there is doing. So it's like people forget how to dream and desire. And that's creativity as well. There is this capacity to summon a dream and a desire. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and as you were saying that, I was thinking, okay, yeah, desire and just people sort of, you know, capping their dreams or not keeping them or settling maybe or just getting really comfortable. And the interesting thing is like to get into more expansive states of orgasm or sexual expression or, or creativity, you have to like surrender into the unknown a little. You know, like, you know, you like you have one path to orgasm. It's like you tickle your clit in this way and you know it. But it, after a certain point, you're like, I know where that leads. Right. And so it's like, are you going to stay in that space or are you going to kind of go explore different areas that you don't know what will like come back, you know, and like what that will be like. And the same thing with creativity. You know, we get stuck in this rut. Like this is how I express. But it's like, what if you went into the unknown? And so it's the same thing as these people you're talking about. It's like, I've done all the, the things I should do in life, but what would it take to surrender the extra level or go into the unknown? Like it could, it could be bad, but it could also be really good. <laughs> yeah. And then when we speak about archetypes and when we speak about desire, there is always the other side, the shadow side. And how when people hold them down, hold back, the, there is this other side. It, it manifests in a darker aspect, like artists that are super talented and creative, having sex and drugs and ex spending, expending all their money or all their energy or their life force and, and feeling empty. Because there is a sense of, um, of darkness, like, like a shadow behind it that hasn't been integrated. Mm. Yeah, I definitely got chills as I was listening to you say that. And I think it's, yeah, both sexuality and, and creativity have that around when you, when people suppress it or have sort of an unhealthy relationship with either of them, like I see, you see how they explode. You're talking about like the artists that, you know, they have these really tumultuous lives, but in sexuality, people start suppressing things and things act, you know, act out in those ways as well. And so I think the interesting thing about that, it's like the darkness is there. The reason sexuality and creativity is also so powerful is that it's not just like light and fluffiness, right? And sunshine. Like it's, be, it's because it, it encompasses like the full spectrum, right? Of emotions, of human experience. And right, so sexual experiences, like we've, you know, we've explored this, right? In our, our learnings, it's like, sex isn't just a like oh i'm in so much pleasure like sometimes it's crying during <laughs> sex right sometimes it's feeling rage of like the pain of like your body having not been respected and so like not feeling that means you like contort in a certain way but feeling that and being like okay my sexuality is kind of dark or my creativity is kind of dark but embracing that in a sort of like like a loving healthy way like that's when it can kind of flow through and and transform and not be just limited to the dark but not just limited to the light and like that's that's where it's really interesting mm, i love it <laughs> it feels so like ah, because that that's really integrating all of all of us right? like not not just the floppy parts i love how you say that, that it's not about 
the fluffy pleasure and the, and that's a topic that has been very uh, recurrent this um, in the last uh, conversations that, that I have been having with people how people tend to portray the fluffy aspect of pleasure right like the joy and the and the bottles of wine and the fancy the dinners and and they forget that there is a very darker and powerful underground pleasure that is our rage our fear our our grief our our uh, sorrow so uh, and that it needs to be embraced and held as so. well yeah yeah because as you were saying those it's like yeah because pleasure can be fluffy but it's i've been thinking about this a lot like these darker emotions like can there be pleasure and like I thought about, I was recently ugly crying, like I was like sobbing and just really gross and snotty and like, but letting myself do that and be held with like these friends who are really caring, like it was not, maybe it was pleasurable in the sense that I was being witnessed, like I was expressing myself, I was like accepting those emotions and there's sort of a pleasure in like, I can be like ugly crying like crazy and then on the other side, like I feel so different, you know? And so sort of embracing that nitty grittiness and this kind of like, oh, this is pleasurable. <laughs> and then coming out and being like, and this is pleasurable because I feel better now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that's what happens when we create art as well. There is this need to portray stories with all of their of their corners. Like you cannot just paint with white with whites and 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 pastel colors like like pinks and blues you need the darker colors to integrate your painter mm, that is such a good example yeah yeah oh my god so when people just feel like uh, because for for us that we have been connected to this energy it feels natural but if people feel like okay i feel stuck in that sense for me orgasm is just about this uh, release this immediate release or for me uh, creativity is something that i am not into like i don't know how to be creative because there is many people that is totally disconnected from their creative nature yeah. what would you recommend them uh, to do as their very first basic steps hmm. Yeah, like there's a few things that come to mind and depending on what people feel called to. Um, one of the first things is just dip your toe in, right? And so for, for creativity, I'll lead these, um, these intuitive painting workshops or sometimes it's emotional expression or dance. And people have a lot of fears around that and that type of expression and tell me like, I'm not an artist or is this for me or I don't dance. Like there's a lot of, you know, things that, they say, you know, they can't do. And I'll just tell them to show up, right? And, and do the, like, the littlest step. And for me, the beauty of, for example, intuitive painting is that, like, I'm not super concerned about technique, right? There, there is a realm for that and, and that sort of study. But intuitive painting, it's like you have your artistic tools and you have a paper doodle on there, you know, color in some colors, notice what happens and just see what that's like. And so that is like a first toe in. And then from there you might be like, oh, I kind of, I kind of enjoy this or, or I feel more calm or 
what I made is, is interesting, right? It might not be a, a Michelangelo or you know, like a Leonardo da Vinci, but it's like, this is something I created. So, so that's what I say on the, like the creative front is sort of dip your toe in. Um, and then like on the sexuality front, it's like similarly, it's like if you have the same approach, it's sort of like, it's like going back to the basics and slowing down, right? It's like, what touch do I like, right? And just stroking one's skin and just being like, hmm, wow, that's really that tingle sensation. Doesn't that feel good, right? And just beginning to slow down and get really present like that for me versus like, I'm going straight to the orgasm. It's like, no, like what are the basics of just touch and presence and enjoyment and just enjoying that. So um, yeah, it feels like that. And then the other thing I'll add, so it's like the baby step, the toe in, if that's what feels good. Um, and then the other thing is that I find, and you know this like both for sexuality and creativity is sort of going back and finding where are the pain points, right? Who are the people that said things or societal messages that said your sexuality was dirty, right? Or who said that you can't be an artist or that you're a really bad writer or a bad musician, right? And so there is a point of one dipping your toe in, but then also sort of going back to the root of some of those messages of why you think these things aren't for you and sort of doing some, getting some support around that and kind of accepting that and then and healing and then, and then moving forward, so. I love it, I love it. And it makes me think of how one of the greatest fears that people have around both, uh, both topics are judgment. They fear that they are going to be judged of not being enough. Not it, it, when it comes to sexuality, there is this fear of not being pretty enough, attractive, uh, attractive enough, or of performing well enough, or not being the perfect uh, um, seductress, or you know, like, like one of the main fears of women is to be seen in in their in their nakedness and be judged by their partner. Uh, because they don't have the perfect silhouette and and the same happens with art we are afraid of writing a poem because this is not like Cervantes, like Cervantes. I mean this is not uh, I am not Shakespeare how can I dare to say that I am writing a, a play well just go for your art or I am I am not as perfect as Da Vinci how can I say that I am a painter well just go for it. Just, uh, it reminds me of this brief story of the book Chakti Women by Vicky Noble, where uh, she created a whole deck of cards based on the goddess. And there is this card that is meant, when she was painting it, it was meant to be a door in the sky. But at the end, the painting somehow, instead of looking like an open door, look like the tail of a whale. And it was interesting because she was just thinking about how that process of that card was like diving into the story of, of, of uh, Jonas who, who gets in the mm. stomach of the, of the whale. So it's like that there was this whale of, uh, and this door at the same time. So it makes me think a lot about how in art, uh, and that's what she says, in art there are no mistakes. Mm. Oh. Yeah, when you said that in art, there are no mistakes, maybe even in like sexual expression, there are no mistakes that feels like there's so much permission. And, and like when you were sharing all of that, right, and all these fears that people have, like, and how they look during sex and sound and all of this, 
stuff, it's like, there's like the outward in approach, right? There's the outward of what society has said that is desirable or what is the epitome of art and expression. And at a certain point, if anyone wants to have a fulfilling relationship with either their sexuality or their creativity, it means you have to start from the inside out. It's like, how does my body want to move? How does my body want to receive pleasure? How does my body want to like take pleasure, right? By touching my partner's skin, right? And so it, it's coming from this inside out approach. And like, that's where it's really rich. And the same thing with like intuitive painting, for example, it's not, we're not copying some artists. Or it's like, what's inside and what are you just pulling out from inside and then putting that on paper? And so I think when, when people begin to like shift that approach and sort of deprogram from all those outside influences and come inside and, you know, whether they paint the door and, and like discover that it looks like a whale, it's like, you won't do that if you never start and you just yeah. have to start. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, and it's just about going in. I love that. That That's um, so much what I'm hearing about just starting in and going in into what, what needs to come through you, what needs to flow through you. Yeah. And you know, the one more thing I want to add on that, because as you were saying that, it's like, it's just about going in and that can sometimes be the scariest thing, right? It's almost, it's almost easier to have performative sex where you're like, porn stars grown like this. Like they said that was right. Like it, it's easier to, to copy that, right? Or, or artists create like this. It's easier to copy that. And when you actually have to go inside and, and feel into like what is authentic for me, like what do I want? Ooh, that can feel scary, right? That can feel tender, especially if we've been rejected in the past or it hasn't been safe or, you know, it just, that inner part hasn't been you know accepted so it's like i i understand like how how challenging that can be um because and and the other part i'll add is like sometimes going in means we have to face the darkness right it's sort of what we talked about earlier it's like when you go in it's not just fluffy rainbows <laughs> Like, it's all it's all the feelings and so you kind of have to brace yourself to be just like okay if i go in this is what I'll find, but the experience will be all the, the richer and more flavorful for it. Yeah, I love it. I love it so much. Um, you remind me of the story of one of our teachers um, who said that um, when she started getting in touch with her body, the way in which she started moaning during sex was more like a wild animal. Like she would be like, Wah! and her partner would be like, oh my God, who's this? <laughs> it's just like this wildness, this beautiful darkness uh, that, that needs to come through, that is wild and it's primal and, and just needs to be seen because there is so much power in it. Oh, rawr. Sorry, I just felt I had to do that. Exactly. So everybody, as a homework. On the count of three, everyone listening, you got to go, rawr. But 
but in reality, that's something that we do in our practice, right? Like we teach people how to actually sound their 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 emotions, and it sounds many times like. <laughs> And you know, because like we're talking about it and it's like doing the raw sound, like maybe it's a little scary. And so that's why like in the work I do, like I always bring sort of a playful energy to it. Because like, let's approach it from a, a playful approach or like this is fun. Like, wow, I sound like a beast. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I do the same. Like now, now I have a little face to it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that that has been a big uh, and powerful medicine for me to add to the scary, the playfulness. That that's something that I really that I really find important. And I and I think just to to start um, finishing the conversation that oh my god, we could just go on for hours. It's amazing. But the importance of playfulness in both in creativity and in sexuality, like just play learning to play, to, to, to do it for the sake of playing. Like you don't have to create a masterpiece. You can just play and you, you don't have to be the perfect Casanova. You can just play with your sexuality in your body. <laughs> oh, yes. Like hearing you say that, I feel such lightness and like delight. And I think we often take things like too seriously. You know, it's just like, am I doing it right? Am I good at it? And it's like, do little kids like think about whether doing stuff? No, they just have a good time and express themselves. So let's just do that and enjoy it. Exactly. They go and paint for the sake of painting, not because they are going to make a mural. They just go and paint and, and they do some amazing things. And, and some of them are not so amazing, but they express what they needed to express. And, and you hold it with so much love as a parent. So why not do the same with our own selves? Yeah. And like the thing I want to add, because I, I know we're wrapping up, but like the really interesting thing about play is that, you know, there's even, there's been a lot of scientific studies around the benefits of play and like young animals will like play and like rough and tumble with each other. And it's actually, it goes hand in hand with learning. Like the act of playing is, is a process of self-discovery, right? You learn how you move, interact, you're like experiencing others, you know, sort of interacting with your environment and so when when you approach sexuality and creativity from play and you're not like i have to have this product at the end or look a certain way at the end you just play 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 and like eventually in sexuality you discover an amazing orgasmic experience right like it just it'll happen at some point or like if for creativity you play 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 and like your artwork looks really ugly for a long time or whatever it does but ultimately if you keep playing you'll start learning and learning what you like and what you don't like and and then then that is when people create something that's unique or different or adds adds something to the conversation and it's it's because they're playing and learning in the act of playing Oh, I love this. this. This is something that we forget to speak about. It's ironic because it's the, one of the basics of, of our practice. It's playfulness. And we forget to mention it. And we take it so seriously. Even uh, we were just speaking before the, the recording about uh, business creation. And how, how would things be different if we approach business creation with playfulness? It's like, hey, but look, I'm just going to play with it. And this gives me pleasure. <laughs> that's, that's the new mantra. What the <laughs> fuck? I'm going to play with it. This gives me pleasure. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
Just uh, quickly a story about uh, playing. I used it as a healing tool for my son, my firstborn son. Um, he was born through a C-section. But this was a very traumatic C-section, one that uh, made me feel very disconnected from my body and from my son. And one that made him feel like very, uh, like he didn't need to even try to, to eat, like, like everything was fed into him. It was a very traumatic experience for both. And so I went to this, to this therapist and the practice that she gave us was about playing to give birth to him again. So I could just grab him in my body, like, like totally grab him with my legs and, and, and arms. He was very little, like four years old. And I could tell him, now get out. You, you have to get out from, uh, from my embrace. You have to be born again. So it's like, now, now you're being born. And he had to struggle his way out of my body. Uh, and that was our way of playing and, and healing his wound of not having to move for, for his birth. So uh, that helped us both to connect and to recreate the birth process through playfulness. Wow. I am so amazed. Thank you for sharing that story. And, it, and it's like a beautiful thing because it can show how like even like something that could be traumatic or, or deeply challenging is that we can, part of the healing process maybe is feeling the sadness and the pain, but then part of the healing process is through play. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah, we just do it very often, like until it felt like, like it was enough. We would just go like, hey, do you want to be born? Yeah, I want to be born. So we would just <laughs> go all the way again. And it was just a sense of bonding, playfulness. And, and I think, and that's also something I learned as I was becoming a better mom. Playing. Children listen to those that play with them. They don't listen to the figures of authority that yell the loudest. They listen to the people that play with them. Hmm. Wow. Oh my gosh. So good. So it like, that reminds me of um, someone telling me about like the importance of having like a sense of humor, right? Because humor is sort of tied in with play. And you know, like when, when we're sharing stories or trying to, to teach something or make a point, when you can make a joke or like laugh about it and like the act of laughter opens up receptivity right? And, and transformation. And so it's like laughter isn't superficial. Play isn't superficial. It actually opens up receptivity for, for change. And that's what it sounds like in your experience. That's what it opened up for you and your son. Absolutely. And did you know that laughter was forbidden in the Middle Ages because it was related to uh, our sexuality as women? <laughs> no way. It was like, oh my God, she's a witch. Because <laughs> I, I spend a lot of time laughing, so I would, they, yeah, that would be a in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> me too. <laughs> but even then, they knew there was a connection between laughter and our our sexual energy. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. 
So good. You know, you're talking about like tools that people bring in, bring in laughter into your, your sexuality, right? Sort of like laugh about it. Like I do that. I'm like, well, that was an interesting experience. <laughs> so seriously, like it has to be a porn movie. No, let's just laugh about it. Like, <laughs> oh. Yeah. And even like, and the final laughter thing is like, right. We take it so seriously. Like even for myself in the creative process when I'm working on paintings, like I, I have, I have like a very dramatic process sometimes and I'm just like, oh, like what is the vision I'm going to paint and like, will it be good enough, right? There's all this drama and I just have to laugh at myself sometimes because I'm like, I'm just, I'm just being a drama queen and like, look at what I'm doing and like, I'm actually enjoying how dramatic this is, like, you know? And so it's just bringing play and laughter and just kind of like laughing on, at oneself and being like, okay, and then moving forward. Yeah, I love that so much, <laughs> so, so, so much. So, so many powerful tips in here, like so, so many points to, to um, analyze and to, and to go back to. Uh, but also, you teach uh, creativity classes and workshops every Monday, right? Yeah, yeah. So right now I'm leading, um, I'm partnering with a, a dating app called Kindra Connect and doing workshops around dating, relating, friendship, right? Deepening awareness of self. And so Mondays, it's called Creative Manifestation Mondays, where we use creativity and um, meditation and embodiment and all of these things to help people, you know, create the love that they want in their life or like heal their past or just be be their best selves. And so sometimes we're doing journaling or creative writing sometimes we're using art or cathartic dance so if people are interested that's on mondays um 5 30 to 7 p.m pst and you can find out on my instagram at julia.joyfulwild if you're interested oh that's amazing sounds so fun sounds really really fun so i will be uh, adding your handle of instagram and I, um, on Facebook and YouTube, I will be adding your web page so that people can uh, contact you. I think that Yay. that's such a beautiful, a beautiful gift, uh, gift that you're sharing and that's such a beautiful medicine that we are needing. Ah, oh, thank you so much, Sasha. It was just so good chatting with you today. It was so much fun. You're just a delightful human and this, is, this has been a blast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was so much fun. And just to add, I do have also a class, a recorded class of my sacred circles uh, that where we were focused precisely on the power of laughter. Uh, mm. It's just a class of JDEF and laughter. And it's oh. one of the most powerful classes that I have given. And it's for free. Uh, I'm going to be adding the link as well so that people can just enjoy the class and laugh with it as well. Oh my gosh, everyone join that. That sounds so fun. Oh. Thank you so much. So remember to join, uh, to join Julia's uh, social media. And thank you, Julia, so much for this conversation. You're welcome. <laughs>